If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. Welcome to another episode of And Security for All. As most of you all know that um, I do host cybersecurity conferences all over North America. I just got back yesterday from Minneapolis. I'm happy to actually say I am so glad it is Friday. This week was bit of it was uh, kind of a crazy week. I don't know if this if you guys felt it, but Monday was just like crazy. Like the stars were not lining up, and it wasn't just me and my team. I was talking to people everywhere, and it was the craziest Monday. But I am happy to say, as the week went on, it became another amazing week. We had our Minneapolis event, and it was so crowded, so packed. As always, I say this every week, it's such a joy to be able to provide the cyber uh, uh community in each of the cities we go to, uh, great content of education and the opportunity to network and meet with great people and connect with all their old peers. So great job to my team for all their hard work um, for pulling off uh, uh, the Minneapolis event. And thank you to our speakers and our sponsors and our attendees. We had the CISO from the city of Minneapolis come out and spend the day with us. And we had some great attendees. So thanks, everyone. I'm always sad when we leave because I know it's going to be a year before we come back in that city. But time does fly. I did want to do a big shout out to all the women out there in cybersecurity. I was a little disappointed. I had a message from, I won't mention who it was, from someone on LinkedIn um, kind of mad at me saying that I don't support women in cyber because I one of my upcoming events does not have a female on um, as a speaker on our panel or as our keynote yet and i am looking i'm always actively looking for women in cyber and i'm going to do a big shout out and thank you to all the women that i've worked with over the years who have helped me um as with um speaking at our event so just so you all know i am the biggest advocate for women in cyber so if there is any woman out there that is looking to sit on any of our panels be a guest on the show be a keynote speaker please reach out to me because the only reason that I would not have a woman at my event is because I can't find them. And I literally spend all the time. I'm working all the time. And um, for all the people that know me out there know that is true. So anyway, I just had to do a big shout out to, you know, go women in cyber. I'm your biggest supporter and so is my team. And I love seeing the growth of women in cyber. It's not growing fast enough, but it, it does continue to grow. We are gonna be in Kansas City. Um, I believe it's like uh, June 6th and most of our um, speakers are women in that city. So excited for that. But today on a div June 8th, let me take that back. Um, we're gonna be in Denver on June 1st. Next week, we have a virtual event, and our um, keynote speaker is Kathleen Moretti, and she is out of Boston, and she works. Um, she is going to be talking about cybersecurity. She was live with us last year. So again, we always um, 
of supporting women. So today I'm going to take a little turn and it kind of goes right into some of the same things that I talked about. We're going to talk about the science behind the stress and the burnout. You know, speaking of that, it was very interesting. I had two of our CISOs that sat on our panel this week in Minneapolis just stepped down from their CISO role at their current companies that they were working with. And a lot of it does have it did have to do with some of the stress and burnout and various other things. But we're also going to talk about the symptoms of overstress and burnouts and how to spot them, five simple skills to defend against stress and burnout, and a different way to look at stress. So I'm very excited to talk about all of this because not only, you know, it's so important for all of us, it's important for my team, it's important for anyone um, to try to keep that you know, balance between home, life, work, and your mental health. So today I have uh, Steve Shelton. He's the founder of Greenshoe Consulting. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Well, um, so tell us a little bit about you. And you, we talked pre-show and you're out of Chicago. Um, how is Chicago? First, before we get into the the you know, what we're going to talk about today, what's the weather like in Chicago? You never know what's happening over there. <laughs> it's a good way to describe it. So uh, a couple days ago, it was almost 80 degrees. And today it's maybe high 50s. That's so. crazy, right? I mean, we're, um, I'm in St. Louis, not too far from you. So we're in the 80s, but you just don't know. The climate all over the country is, I mean, we were in Minneapolis and it was 80 something degrees. So how crazy is that? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I've been there midwinter where it's four feet of snow and freezing and horrible. So yeah, it's a similar environment. To it. I guess if you're if you're from Minneapolis, you know how to weather the storms literally out there totally. <laughs> and in Chicago as well. So um tell us a little bit about Green Chew Consulting and how you got into that company, how you started that company, your background and and the transition of prior to what you were doing, because I think you said you were working in corporate America. How did you transition over? Yeah, so there's multiple different paths that um, I guess culminated over the years to get me to this point. So uh, the first thing was I played football through college. And so my high school experience was drastically different than my college experience. My high school experience, I worked in a very like, I, I worked, I played on a team for a coach that was Kind of like the idea, idealized experience of it, it was a lot of character development focus on not only do we want to train you as a football player, but we want to teach you how to be a good person, to be a steward for the team, the school, and the community. So there was a, a greater sense of purpose behind it. And it was all, the, the coaches were also focused on helping us learn how to lift each other up opposed to push others down, so to speak. Um, so from like I, I love that environment of feeling extremely supported, like I mattered, that I was connected and I belonged. And so I thought my everybody else's experiences were going to be like that. And so when I got to college, it was a much different experience where it was more focused on performance and the result uh, opposed to that character development and uh, nurturing supportive environment. So um it was kind of a rude awakening, so to speak, and I really felt a sense of not belonging and not feeling cared for, and that was a lot of my experience in corporate America. So graduating from college, I went into technology sales. I started with CDW, worked for a lot of large organizations, and 
like I said, my experience was a lot more of that collegiate environment of high performance, high stress, a lot of pressure to perform and the focus on the results opposed to the focus on the process and what you have control over, which parlays into the performance psychology piece. Um, and then when I had a daughter, I now have a 19 year old daughter, when she was a child and in elementary school, there was a big focus on social emotional learning. And it was taught not only to the, the kids, and, but also taught to the parents in a very simplified way that was easy to consume, easy to understand and easy to practice. And seeing my nine-year-old basically do conflict resolution with her classmates and even the teachers, was the most profound experience that I've ever seen in terms of being able to have an understanding of oneself, relationships, communication, and how to work with other people in a way that helped to progress things. Um, and so that experience also was very profound for me because it, to me, there was a lot of need for those skills in the workplace, especially the environments that I was working in in the technology sales space. And so I'd yearned to get to a point to where I could help others be their best selves, not only in their careers, but their personal lives. And especially for men, I come from a, a farming and military family where feelings and emotions are not necessarily talked about very much, if at all. And so there's a major... Um, what is it? Um, it? It stymies your ability to be your whole self when you're not able to communicate effectively and express yourself in a way that connects with others and helps really drive what you're trying to accomplish. So all those things being said, that's kind of what got me to the space of uh, COVID. I got certified to teach yoga. I was teaching some of my CISO buddies remotely, which was funny because a lot of them were like, can you just call it stretching? You'd get a lot more guys doing the stuff if you were not calling it yoga. So that stigma and stereotype also carries over to the emotional intelligence awareness stuff that I'm now teaching and, and working with. But that led me to getting into um, this performance psychology, which was really intended to work with athletes. But there's such overlap and commonality with the IT security space being high performance, high stress, and the fact that the stress, the burnout, the communication challenges, et cetera, have been ongoing for decades, and there's not been a lot of solution brought in to help resolve those issues. So what were you doing um, before you started this company? Were you, um, what role were you doing? How did you, how did you well, even think about like, let me, let me start this consulting firm and um, where were you before that? So what got me thinking about it was that experience with my daughter uh, and her social emotional learning components. The, the skills were self-awareness, self-emotional regulation, mental and emotional control, interpersonal, intrapersonal skills and those types of things, which in the corporate world, I'd worked for Symantec, RSA, Proofpoint, uh, a lot of very big organizations and a lot of those skills just were not prevalent. I'll say. Um, and so for me, that was something that I'd been wanting to do for a long time. And then the last company I was with before I made the move into entrepreneurship was um, Vertica, which was a subsidiary of Microfocus, which is now part of OpenText. Um, and 
they were just really challenged with a lot of those issues that I brought up. So for me, it was the timing of COVID, that being the catalyst to really reflect on why am I doing what am I, what I, why am I doing what I'm doing and what is it that I really want to do and how do I align who I am, my values and principles with my thoughts, words, actions, and get in alignment or congruency with all those things. So how long were you with Microfocus? About two years, I believe. Okay. I didn't know that. I'm wondering if we had ever met through Microfocus because I used to sponsor a lot of our events. Vicki Brooks is a friend of ours. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I just had found out recently that they were bought out, I guess, by OpenTax. So very interesting. So so you left Microfocus and then now how's everything? Who Who is your... Um, who would your customers be and how are you approaching companies to take a look at what you have to offer? So a lot of what I'm doing right now is a combination of education into the, the marketplace right now, promotion in terms of getting the word out and then con connecting with the community. But I'm also doing some qualitative research through semi-structured interviews. So within the next two weeks, I'll be wrapping up my 20th interview. Um, so this is, specific one-on-one -on -one interviews with IT security practitioners. Out of the 20 folks that I will have interviewed, the majority of them are with Fortune 500 companies. So it's a combination of chief information security officers, directors, or heads of the security operations environment. Uh, and we've got a few security engineers or managers in the mix as well, both combination of men and women, uh, really to understand what are the components that lead to the significant stress and burnout? And then what, what coping skills, if any, do people have access to? Do they know and are they practicing? And then how can I help the, um, the IT security community understand what coping skills they could actually learn and incorporate uh, on a daily basis so that way they can not only prevent the burnout aspect of things, but perform in their job more effectively along with their teams and then also perform in their personal lives better as well. So tell us a little bit of the science behind stress and burnout and where that can be relatable in the IT community. So there's a, a few things. There's a lot of research in um, the workplace, I'll say, started in 1979 with frontline healthcare workers and nurses being overstressed and get leading to burnout. And a lot of that is progressed into, from a sports psychology standpoint, understanding how that manifests in sports, but also in the workplace, how that manifests. So typically what happens is, especially in IT security, and it's even more so now with the layoffs and some of the other factors that contribute to having less resources to manage the, the challenges, I'll say, in front of them. Um, so there's a couple of things that I'll talk about. One is there's a theory of threat versus challenge. And then there's also uh, that leads into kind of the main symptoms of burnout. So the challenge for the pun not intended is the fact that from an IT security standpoint, typically the business does not understand IT security as, it's, as a whole because it, IT security has its own culture, its own language. Uh, 
for the sports guy, the fo former football player, I kind of refer to the IT security team as like the offensive lineman of the football team because they have a completely different culture. They have a different way of talking and engaging. But as a result, they, they also don't understand the business talk. And so the IT security folks are challenged by understanding how to communicate effectively to the business, which in turn limits their ability to get the funding they need for their projects, to hire people. Now with the economy the way that it, that it is and the increase in layoffs, there's an additional aspect of fear of losing your job, um, as well as lack of people and resources to be able to do their job effectively. And the overall expectation from the business traditionally has been, we want you to block all of the bad stuff 100%. And so it's an unrealistic expectation. And so trying to manage to all of those things, the threat and challenge theory gets into how are you looking at the obstacle in front of you? If you're looking at the obstacle in front of you as a threat, meaning it's a threat to your own safety and well-being because you feel like you don't have the resources, the capabilities to manage that threat and it's going to overtake you, then there's going to be an increase in stress and a significant stress because of the fear of being able to withstand or overcome that threat. If you change your mindset to look at that obstacle as a challenge, then the challenge becomes something that if you think of it as a growth mindset, that you may not have all of the skills necessary to overcome that challenge, but you have the ability to learn and develop the skills or maybe pull in resources to help overcome that obstacle. That lends itself to have some hope to it and some optimism, which then leads to the ability to say, I'm gonna find an answer or a strategy to overcome that challenge. So, a lot of the talk track in IT security is we're facing all of these different threats. So you're automatically creating the mindset that there are, uh, you know, the, the sales techniques typically in the IT security space are fear, un uncertainty, and doubt or FUD. And so that just continues to increase that mindset of threat versus challenge. And then the other aspect of, of that gets into the burnout space when you're constantly under threat, constantly under attack and in that mindset, there's a certain level of stress that is healthy and good that helps us take action. So too little stress is not, is not helpful because that doesn't really motivate, motivate us to act. Too much stress and too prolonged stress leads to the challenges and depletion of a variety of components that you, typically the burnout components are you feel emotional and physical fatigue. You feel a reduced sense of accomplishment, like what you're doing does not matter. And especially that gets into some other components from a social emotional learning standpoint, which are really important. But then you also get to a point where the your involvement in that role or environment is no longer generating the return that it once did. So you're getting more withdrawals, so to speak, than you are returns and benefits. So those things lead to the burnout. So it's interesting um, because I feel like there are some people that actually work better under stress. I I definitely am one of those people. You know, I definitely work much harder if I have a deadline. And, you know, if, if I have some time that there's no stress, it's harder for me to work. You know, it's harder for me to work as hard as I do when I am. Um, 
under stress. A lot of entrepreneurs are like that though. But how, what are some of the symptoms? I mean, we do see a lot of CISOs that, you know, they say the typical, you know, role of the CISO is about two and a half to three years. And many of the CISOs are, some of them are just stepping down and doing their own thing because they can become a virtual CISO and manage two or three projects and probably make a lot more money. Some of them are going over to the vendor side of things. What are some of the symptoms of overstress, burnout, and how to spot them? Especially, say you're the CISO, and I was just talking to a CISO yesterday or Wednesday about this in Minneapolis, how important it is to keep a good team because finding good teams are so valuable and so hard nowadays and it's just priceless having a good team. So what are some of the, um, how do you spot some of the symptoms of overstress and burnout? Yeah, so that's, that's a good question. There's a lot within that that we could delve into, right? So from the, the symptoms, I mentioned the emotional and physical fatigue, it's pretty simple one. When you're feeling run down, um, part of this gets into what I'll, I'll deem recovery, right? So being able to recharge, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally. But when you're feeling emotionally fatigued, physically fatigued, physical fatigue is pretty easy. You don't want to leave the house. You don't want to move. You just, for me, I love to take naps. So if I'm feeling mentally or emotionally or physically fatigued, a nap is one of my go-tos to kind of recharge pretty quickly. But the other aspect of that is, one, there, there tends to be some pretty, I'll say, poor coping skills in the industry. So there's a lot of promotion of uh, the happy hours and whiskey tastings and those types of things. Alcohol actually has been shown through research to provide a negative coping skill because it typically creates this uh, neurological change in your brain where you actually are feeling, if you're typically even just having a couple of drinks throughout the week, your brain gets locked into that that feeling and your, I don't want to say your DNA gets changed, but your neuroplasticity gets changed to the point where if you are having some drinks throughout the week and then you stop, there's an increase in depression um, and some anxiety because of that. And so that's why people are like, oh my gosh, I could totally go for a drink right now, right? Those types of things, and I'm not bashing having a drink or drinking alcohol, it's just a, a an awareness generation of are you doing things that are actually helping and serving you or are you turning to some coping skills that are either numbing or avoidance of the issues or those types of things. So emotional and mental fatigue is a big indicator. So one of the ways that, that I work with clients and organizations to help is one, generating some awareness. So a lot of times, we talk about the physical um, fatigue. So being able to identify how your body feels. And so a lot of get, this gets into also when you're faced with a threat and IT security is constantly facing threats and evolving threats, but continual threats. There's an aspect then of getting into survival instinct and response that fight, flight, freeze response. And so the challenge is, is that we're working with this, what they say is a two million year old mind, right? As, um, as cave people, we were either hunting or gathering and trying to survive in the wilderness. And so we have this great alerting system to any threats to our well-being or safety. 
and it's constantly scanning our environment for threats. And so two million years ago, it was a saber-toothed tiger that would be in the wilderness that was going, going to attack and kill us when we were hunting and gathering. So it's phenomenal in terms of identifying those threats. But the challenge is, is that our operating system hasn't really been upgraded over the, the years to understand that we no longer have the saber-toothed tigers as threats. Our threats now are other people's opinions, judgments, and expectations. And so there needs to be some, some education, not only on the awareness, but the mental skills that we can generate to better manage those states, right? So when we get into survival instinct, the challenge in that is from a social emotional learning standpoint, they talk about a flipped lid. So when your brain is at rest, your frontal cortex, frontal cortex, excuse me, is resting on your amygdala. So when you're at rest, you have full access and um, I guess access to your cognitive abilities, your problem solving, your critical thinking abilities. When you get in a state of survival instinct, when you're super excited, super angry, that tends to flip the prefrontal cortex from being attached to your amygdala, which then leads into that survival instinct. So then you revert into your survival cave person mode. For me, I, I joke about grunting and just not having a lot of access to verbal <laughs> communication components, but being able to be aware of where you're at physically, because then you can identify, oh, I'm feeling really tense. That's an indicator that you need to do a, do something to get yourself back into that homeostasis or home state of being able to be a little bit more relaxed. So your frontal cortex is attached to that amygdala. So you have the ability to have access to your resources of creativity, strategic thinking, et cetera. Part of that gets done through generating awareness. The other part that, that has to be focused on is when you go into that survival instinct, you're, you think about the cave person, if there was a saber-toothed tiger, that cave person would be flight, running away, fighting, or hiding. Either one of those, your breath gets more panicked and quicker and shorter. So what we do, one of the things that you can do to offset set that, and this is one of the skills, is learning how to breathe and slow your breath down to relax, right? When we get excited, angry, tense, whatever, we tense up in the shoulders, certain areas of the body. So if you can feel that, become aware. The breath then, one of the techniques that we talk about is box breathing. So box breathing is just that. If you think of a square, one side is your inhale. You can count to five, one Mississippi, two Mississippi on the inhale. Hold the breath at the top. Exhale to the count of five on the other side of that box. And then the bottom is the hold at the bottom of your exhale. Doing that a few rounds through just allows your brain to reconnect to your body. And you could start to relax and feel your shoulders drop down towards the ground away from your ear and then get access more to those facilities that you need to be able to think strategically, creativity, creatively, and et cetera. Well, what is the IT person supposed to do though? Like, for example, I'm just going to take a couple of years ago. Um, it was, I think, the end of 2021 when we had Log4j. And, you know, we had a big event that week, like that it happened, and it definitely affected our event because luckily we had the virtual mode. So people were able to tune in. But there were people that literally didn't sleep through Christmas because that was something 
that they they didn't have a choice. It had to be fixed. Uh, you know, these companies. I'm I'm not super technical, but I know what I heard. The feedback I heard from our attendees, how you know, um, I think because right before that, you know, the what was the attack? Um, I just went blank the year before. So you know, cybersecurity for a couple of Christmases, you know, um, had it pretty rough. So what are you going to do when you're under some big breach or an attack and you don't have a choice, you're not going to sleep and it is your job to get it fixed. How are you going to manage the stress, you know, behind that? And how are the leaders, how the security teams going to manage that stress and keep their teams motivated, knowing that they need their teams and what else are we going to do? It's not a great time to go out and hire help. So what's your, you know, advice when you run into a situation like that? That's part of the challenge, right? Like the the research that I've been doing is the fact that the IT security roles are, are not a nine to five job, right? So to your point, there will be times where it's really, really hard to implement these things. And how do you create boundaries within your organization to say like, I'm at my max, I, I'm either going to shut down physically, mentally, or emotionally and not be any good to you, or how do we work together to ensure that I'm able to get some recovery time in? And so when I, when I talk about recovery, there's pillars of recovery. So that's not just sleep as a mode of recovery. Sleep is really, really important, but also eating right, hydrating, thinking right, all of these, there's multiple pillars to this recovery piece. And so being able to understand one, you're in an area that is very, very stressful and challenging. Two, how do you ensure that the majority of the time is spent on effective mental skills training so that way you're in a state more consistently that you'll be able to perform your best or to those optimal levels. So a lot of that is really integrating aspects into your daily routine. Right, So there's going to be times where it's not going to be possible to get the best and most optimal sleep because of the job itself and how you're responding to these things. But it's also a cultural aspect, like you mentioned, being able to retain talent. So within the 20 interviews that I've done just over the past few months, every person I've talked to for the majority has said, I've left a job because of poor leadership that I wasn't cared for. I wasn't treated well, I wasn't given the resources or the opportunities that would have helped me grow as a person or contribute in a way that was meaningful to the organization. So there's a variety of things that the organizations need to be able to take a look at to say, are we setting our people up for success? Are we providing them the resources, the opportunities and things that they need to be able to perform? So that's one. Two, as an IT security leader with a team, are you doing the same within your team? Are you leading by example in terms of majority-wise taking care of yourself, doing those recovery aspects that are going to lead for you to be able to perform your best consistently day in and day out? And it's not just, again, it's not just a, a career performance type thing. These skills contribute to your personal lives, your hobbies, and the things outside of your job as well. So focusing and really COVID kind of is driving a lot of this is that a lot of people, I would say, I don't know anybody that's gone through COVID and was not traumatized by it. 
So everybody was in, impacted. And now you've got this situation where you're no longer at an office for the most part. A lot of organizations are re remote work or hybrid. And so how do you manage that environment now? Because that's changed how we do business. In addition to the layoffs, the state of the economy, et cetera, those are making the job just even more challenging. So I think, I don't know if there's a direct easy answer outside of being able to, to have these coaches and training the mental skills to be able to perform your best, especially under duress, and that's, that's the job. Well, I do have to say like a big shout out to FutureCon events. That is one of the best things that um, brings our team pride is because we are getting people out there all together for these one day events. And these are people that are still working from home and we run all of our events in a hybrid mode. So we still have, you know, just as many people, we probably have 150 to 200 people that come out for these one day events, but we also have another 150 to 200 people watching virtual. And I try to, you know, encourage them to come out because just that joy we see when people are leaving our events, they are so happy that they reconnected with people. And it is just such a great thing, you know, since COVID, we took that for granted, you know, you know, seeing people and needing people and needing, you know, just, just seeing other human beings. So well, us running things in hybrid, it um, does, you know, because we don't, we run them regional, it tends to get people to come back out because they can see through the camera how much fun people are having talking to each other again. So again, there's a lot of things that we took for granted prior to COVID that now um, we have to look at and take serious, you know, and especially again, balancing, you know, your home life and work. And when you're working from home, that is a tough thing to balance. You know, I try to, as a business owner, and, you know, I've been running teams for 25 years, and it's taken me a long time to even learn the right way to do things. And I still continue to learn the right way to do things. But I do know it's very, very important for my team. You know, I really don't want to see my team uh, working on the weekend. I don't want to see emails from them. I don't want to see emails unless it's an emergency. They, they're pretty good. They will answer me. But, you know, when they go on vacation, I want to make sure that they delegate everything to everyone else, you know, to somebody else on the team. So there's absolutely no reason that they should even open their laptop, you know, when they're on vacation because people need that time away. You have to have that time to, for, to just get reinvigorated and, um, you know, I, I, I try to create an environment where if someone is burnt out on my team and I just had that situation this week that somebody came to me and told me that I'm like, well, you need to take some time off, you know, because you're too valuable to, to, um, be burnt out. I need you, you know, I need you in the right, you know, frame of mind. So I think, I think that people are learning that. And I think that the CISOs are learning that. And I think the security directors are learning that, but we still have a huge job shortage. So it is still, you know, it is still a struggle to manage. How do we balance it all? So what are some simple skills to defend against stress and burnout? So I, I'll answer that, but I also want to acknowledge something you just said. Um, the joy is a really important piece. So when I talk about the culture of IT security, what I hear a lot of is that people get into the field because they 
They want to be able to help others. They want to be able to feel like they're doing something meaningful and wor worthwhile that has purpose behind it. Um, and that's a big aspect also of when you're starting to feel overstressed or burnt out of understanding what gives you joy about what you're doing and also checking in to ensure that one, you remember why you're doing what you're doing because the why and the purpose is a big aspect or an anchor to ground into, oh yeah, I'm doing this because of this reason and maintaining that purpose and, and being in alignment with that, but also understanding what gives you joy. Because a lot of times when we start to get stressed out in a negative way and keeping in mind that there is stress, like you mentioned, that we need some stress that will get us to move and take action. So there's good stress and there's negative stress. But being able to understand, like when we're getting overstressed, we tend to focus on a lot of things outside of our control. So we start to focus on our fears, our doubts, uh, what we're not doing or something in the future or in the past, whatever it is, is keeping us from being present in the moment and then focusing on what we have control over. So that's one of the skills, right? So um, being able to identify and be aware of our own thoughts, which is where a mindfulness practice is really, really important. That's part of that social emotional learning piece, but also research has shown if you can continue to train your mind to be in the present moment and not jumping towards an assumption or a future thought or some other thought that is outside of your control, that's going to help minimize that burnout and overstressed concept, right? So mindfulness is a big aspect of things. Breath work or meditation can be substituted for the mindfulness word, uh, but mindfulness is really the concept of being in the present moment. So while I talk about that, I'm also very open to acknowledging that I struggle with being, being in the present moment regularly just because of so many distractions that we have, our, our cell phones, our laptop, our email, all of these things are meant to pull our attention away from what we're doing in the present moment. Um, but being able to continuously be aware of when our mind is racing off and not being present is super, super important. Being able to understand if you are spending time in things that are wasting your time. Like there's a lot of talk about meetings that are just not worthwhile and time wasters opposed to actually accomplishing things. Corporate America is strife or rife with that. Um, so in terms of the skills, I talked about the box breathing, being able to have a quick breathing pattern or routine that will take one to two minutes, just being able to utilize that space to regroup and be aware of how you're feeling in those moments. That's also a really good trick if you're going meeting to meeting. So that way you can regroup, let go of that, the mindset from that prior meeting, regroup to what's in front of you in that moment. And then that also works really well. Also, I, I'm actually working out of a uh, custom shed that I built in the backyard because trying to work in the house with three teenagers during COVID was not possible. So setting up some space that I was able to um, kind of move into that work mode. And then when I leave work mode, going into the house, taking a minute just to regroup, reset, and focus on how I want to show up, super important. And then 
one of the things that I teach to generate that awareness, not only of the physical aspect, but what is your mental and emotional state is what I refer to as a, a stoplight. So the green light of the stoplight is when everything is going your way, everything is awesome, you're your most confident self. Typically when we're in that mode, we're walking tall, shoulders are back, chest might be a little forward. Um, and there's an aspect of, for me, having a little bit of swagger, um, even if you walk with that swagger in your walk, um, but that that feeling that everything is working out and, and just flowing along is that green light state. The yellow light then becomes, if you make a, a small mistake or what we would call a slip, that you chose to do something and it didn't create the outcome that you wanted, might not be that detrimental, but it does create a little bit of a, a thought process of, oh, I don't want that to happen again, or somebody didn't respond in a way that was great, uh, or whatever it is, it starts to let a bit, little bit of doubt creep in. And so you're not as positive and confident as you were in that green state. And you start to question things a little bit. And then the red light of that stoplight is the plane has crashed into the side of the mountain. Everything is going wrong. You can't do anything right. And so there's major fear, stress, and anxiety in that mode. So the challenge with that, not only are we identifying and being aware of our body language, what we're focused on, and what our self-talk is, but there's not a direct movement from red to green in that scenario. There's a progression from red to yellow and yellow to green. And part of the way that we move back from that, from red to yellow, yellow to green is through our breath, right? So that, that box breathing is a very simple skill to use to be able to do that. The other thing, since you mentioned joy, and I talk about social emotional learning, a very simple um, concept to utilize is understanding from a an your own in individual standpoint, but also when interacting and building relationship with others, is this concept of being able to communicate one from a feeling standpoint. And I know this gets into a realm that's not necessarily corporate America. And there's a concept within IT security specifically, just like sport, where talking about your feelings or your mental state can be seen as a weakness because to leadership or who, whoever you report to, if you're having any challenges and you're not able to perform, that's a weakness. So there's a, a fear over being replaced because of an inability to perform. And to me and the research shows that that's actually backwards. So in order to have a a culture of high performance, there has to be an aspect of trust. And I don't know if safety is the right word, but maybe bravery and being brave enough to share that, hey, I'm, I'm having a challenge with this. I need some help, right? To your point, your teammate struggling with burnout, if they're able to vocalize and they feel comfortable and trust you enough to be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. I need either a break or I need, I need something. I need your help that leads to more high performance because that aspect then leads to that person feeling like you've got their back and that you're going to work together and that they're not going to be on the chopping block. So one, being able to communicate just from a basic standpoint, five primary feelings of joy, sad, fear, anger, or uh, disgust, being able to say, I'm feeling sad today or that thing happened and I feel angry, that leads to more discussion and understanding and that leads into the other aspect of 
every human being has five main things that they, they need, five main yearnings that they need to, to feel complete as a human. Every human needs to be seen, heard, to belong, to matter, and to feel loved. So that connection, that human interaction like FutureCon provides is so critically important because we all need to be seen and heard. We, we need to feel like we matter, which is why IT security is such a high performance and high demand area and challenging is because there's a lot of purpose in protecting organizations and people in this role. And just to highlight the challenges, like if you, anytime there's an argument or conflict between people, it's usually because one or more of those yearnings is not being met. So for example, if you have a significant other and you've gotten into kind of a shouting match because you're trying to explain something, they're not hearing you or you don't feel like you're being heard, you're going to increase your volume. They're going to increase their volume. You'll increase your volume until it's a yelling match. That just signifies you or the other person or a combination are not feeling heard, right? So there's skills and techniques then that we can develop and learn to help understand, oh, this person is not feeling heard. I'm not feeling heard. I need to seek understanding before I seek to be understood. It's a seven habits of highly effective people type of route too. So hopefully, I know that's a lot of information, but that that's kind of the condensed version of it. Well, this is a kind of a funny example um, that just happened with me recently on Sunday and it was Mother's Day and I live in a hundred year old house and my daughter, you know, two of my kids don't live here, but I have a daughter that lives here. And we, it was storming. Yeah, I don't know if you guys had storms in Chicago. And um, my sump pump, all of a sudden, it happened on Saturday. It was like this siren. I've never, and then I had a friend of mine and her husband come over and help, help fix it. And then on Sunday, it went off. And I mean, it was going off for hours. It was the worst thing. I, and, and it's just my, the anxiety in me is building and building and building. And um, there was also, my daughter had told me she saw a mouse in the basement, you know, that morning. So I didn't want to, you know, I'm in a hundred year old, you know, nice home. But when she came home, I was like, you got to help me. And it was just, it turned into a screaming match because she already had came to me at such a place of high level. When my son got there, he's, he was like, why are you being so mean? And I thought he was saying to my daughter, why are you being so mean to your mom on Mother's Day? But it was, it was vice versa, you know, like, and I yeah. didn't even realize I was being mean. So it's just one of those things, I guess, where I needed to probably go take a walk and get out of that house. Yeah. And eventually the next day the sub pump got fixed and it was just, but it's one of those things that escalates where I can see where that could happen with teams, you know, where one thing that you don't even know is bothering that person. So you know, it's the responsibility, I guess, of all of us to kind of manage our own stress so it doesn't escalate into a situation that could have been avoided. And, you know, I, I go to a different scenario. Um, one of my daughter, I doubt anyone from her company would be listening to this podcast because she's in a whole different industry. They had a big layoff this week. And I feel like that the company went about it the wrong way because they took 
you know, they all, they are back working at work and my daughter's division, they weren't affected, but they were sitting there watching, you know, the other divisions walking out crying and being let, you know, laid off. And I feel like there should have been a better way to handle that because that just puts stress over all of the teams like am I next. So I do think it is corporations should look at how they are managing these kind of situations because before I give it back to you, you know, GoDaddy, they went through a big layoff and I have the utmost respect for their CISO because he had to lay off some of his team and immediately he put a post out on LinkedIn and said, I'm so sorry these guys have to go. They are a great catch. Here are their names, you know, to all my colleagues out there, you know, please look at these guys because they're a great, you know, and it wasn't a security issue. It was a company as a whole. So what are your thoughts about how that that's three different scenarios, but all three of those, the third scenario with GoDaddy, he did the absolute best thing he could do. And I bet those guys were snatched up immediately. Yeah, I, I think you're completely right. Um, I've talked to a lot of people over the past few months that have been either let go or have been at companies that have had to make major layoffs and that fear of, am I next? Is my job safe? For those that stay, for those that get let go, then the challenge is, is I think COVID has really brought to light a lot of those things that we have taken for granted. And there's there's a lot of talk from what I'm hearing of what was working or maybe things were not working pre-COVID and we just got in this mode of just continuing to operate in one way and it doesn't serve the majority of people that are in these roles. And so I think there's a major desire from a lot of people that are, there's a better way to do things. And a lot of it, like there's been talk over the the past several decades about emotional intelligence and soft skills and these types of things. And I think the vernacular has kind of lost its allure, but there's, there's gotta be a, 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 resurrection maybe may not be the right word but i there's a lot of people that want to to see that they they matter that the organizations that they are a part of that they're doing something purposeful that the organization supports them and is looking out for their best interest because it's no longer the employees right and we're going to focus all our our resources on taking care of our employees because then you lose sight of the ones that are actually supporting your excuse me, your customers. And so the resources typically were spent on ensuring that the customer experience is the greatest thing, that the customers stay and they're retained. Well, if you're not taking care of your employees and creating a culture where they're cared for and supported and you look at them as more than just a butt in the seat, for lack of a better word, and that they can be easily replaced, then you're not going to have a culture that's going to continue to grow and perform at high levels. And so there's this aspect that organizations like Microsoft has fully adopted a growth mindset. It's part of their mission statement. It's a part of everything that they're doing. And it's really meant to, to show more than just words, but through their actions uh, that they are doing things to not only care about their customers, but their employees just as much as their customers. And I think, a lot of organizations and leaders need to look at things through that that paradigm. So where, um, what would you, we have a few minutes left. Um, 
if you could say in a minute, you know, um, A, you know, it's a big thing, you know, mental health and stress reliever, you know, just there, there's a lot going into it. What would your advice be to our listeners today? Um, we have listeners on Voice America. This this will be on um, Spotify, so people are going to listen to this everywhere. What would your number one tip be to them? How to tone it down and what should they do to silence that stress inside and still stay focused on what they're supposed to do with their job? Yeah, I think so. The The reason that I, I came back to this community is one, these issues have been ongoing for decades and very little has been done to address it. There's some more focus coming now from from different groups and people like myself, but it's so important because again, coming out of COVID is understanding why you're doing what you're doing and understanding who you are is so critically important to to finding that that aspect of fulfillment and happiness in life that everybody is searching for. And so I came back to this community because the Chief Information Security Officer at Northern Trust posted back in July about how much stress and how challenging the environment is and how high performant the role is and how much he believes in coaching and how much coaching he believes is needed in the space. So I think really understanding that our emotional and mental health is critically important, not only in our jobs, but our personal lives, if we're going to be the type of people that we know that we want to be and that we strive to be. And I, I think investing in that and understanding that there are ways to offset and mitigate the stress, the burnout, the challenges that we experience, but we have to work at it. And finding the ones that can help uh, teach you how to do that is is critically important. Well, tell us where um, people can find you, and if somebody wanted to, you know, talk more um, with you about how to manage their teams and stress, where how's the best place to get a hold of you? So, Green Shoe Consulting is the name of the company. So it's greenshoeconsulting.com is the website. I'm giving workshops regularly. I'm speaking regularly. So uh, this month, uh, next week, in fact, I'm doing a webinar for the Cloud Security Alliance in Western Michigan. I'm speaking in Columbus, Ohio at the Women Economic Leadership Development Council uh, in July. I'm also speaking at CloudCon in June. So there's a lot going on. Flip that. The women's group is June. CloudCon is July. Um, but I'm giving workshops regularly. I'm also going to be um, releasing a book with my findings on the qualitative research shortly. Um, so I'll, I'll make sure uh, to let you and your, your listeners know, but I'm on All LinkedIn right. and available anytime. That sounds great. Thanks so much. Steve Shelton, CEO of Green Shoe Consulting. You can find him on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you guys check us out next week. We have Kathleen Moretti. She is the CTO for the Center of Internet, um, the Center of Internet Security. She's going to be doing a virtual show with us Wednesday, and we will be on StreamYard on Wednesday, and then this will play on Voice America next Friday. So, everyone, I hope you have a relaxing, stress-free weekend. Spend time outside. Hopefully it's not raining. Enjoy the weather and you all stay safe and secure and we'll see you next week. Thank you.
you for tuning into And Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. a cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at futureconhq. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher.